0: to Soulmates Podcast. I'm Emily. And I'm Rachel. And we are here with a very special guest. Oh, this is my intro. Hi.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm Kat, also known as Angelic Days Cosplay on the various parts of the internet. And by various parts, I mean Instagram, because I am too lazy to keep up with all of these other media I keep on trying to have. <laughs> You can follow me on Twitter if you want to see me yelling about figure skating a lot, but that's about it for you.
0: <laughs> and uh, what is your Instagram handle?
1: Oh, my Instagram handle was at Angelic Days Cosplay. Days spelled D-A-Z-E and not D-A-Y-S because I don't want to copyright infringe too hard on that one Evangelion manga spinoff. <laughs> so, Kat, I would say that you are
0: known for doing a lot of male characters. A lot of them blonde,
1: I will say. Yes. I have a very specific phenotype stereotype, and I'm just embracing it at this point. It's like a self-replenishing cycle.
0: You are super, super good at doing full male transformation, Mm -hmm. like full face of makeup. It's not drag makeup, and it's not even like cosplay makeup, I guess. It's not like be shown in... For some reason, I think of like winged eyeliner and stuff like that. You do a lot of interesting things that truly, truly transform your face. What are some key makeup techniques that you use for cosplaying male characters?
1: There's a few things that you sort of have to keep in mind even before you go into techniques of figuring out what you want to do in your face. Because you mentioned that I don't really do specific traditional drag makeup or cosplay, I guess, makeup. Make your vision first, basically. Decide how you want to take that character. Because if your goal is recreating point for point what this drawn anime character looks like on the screen, you probably are going to want to do that more stylized liquid eyeliner be in thing. My view of cosplay, and there are many different schools of thought on this, and none of them more valid than the other, is I like to look at a character or look at a costume and the game of the cosplay for me is figuring out what that would look like in real life or how to make that translate into real life in a realistic way. So because of that, um, I want to make sure that my makeup matches my costumes, which leads to me trying to go for not so much a stylized, more masculine version of my face, but a more, okay, if I were someone who was born with naturally more traditionally masculine features, how would that look like on me? which basically means I don't use eyeliner at all because those kinds of harsh lines are something that you don't really see in most masculine faces of makeup. When guys do use it, I focus a lot on contouring and contouring powders and everything that I do with my eyes, I do with eye shadows so that those edges are softer and just neutral tones and things Mm -hmm. like um, God bless the Ben Nye makeup company and all of (laughs) their many, many colors of foundations. I sing their praises constantly. I do really extreme highlighting and contouring. I literally have a white Ben Nye cream powder that is made for clown makeup. And that's what I use to do my highlight. And I use a skin tone powder on top of that to lighten it and blend it in a second. But basically, I just, I go ham on the highlights and ignore any more stylized bits to try to get that sort of more structural look. And again, the goal of that isn't necessarily because I'm like, oh, uh, this is the way makeup looks good or anything. It's not that. It's just that I really value stylistic consistency across a cosplay. And if what I'm trying to make wearing on my body is real-world-looking clothes that a person would have, I try to mirror that on my face as well so there's not a stylistic disconnect.
0: I didn't know that your contour was so extreme. That is a lot like drag makeup actually. (laughs) I was just gonna
1: say that yeah. (laughs) I actually um, learned a lot of my makeup from watching specific drag tutorials because if you can see like people with very masculine features highly feminize their makeup with this extreme Mm -hmm. contouring layers of powder etc you can just reverse those concepts to make it go in the other direction. So where are you typically putting your highlighter? The areas I tend to put my highlights are on tallest point of my cheekbone, a look across along the brow line. I do the little exclamation point thing on one's (laughs) nose, a little bit on bottom of the chin. And um, the main thing I do that really helps because people always comment on my jawline and things, and it's mostly fake, put a white highlight slightly above where the jawline is, Mm -hmm. and then a really dark highlight on or below on the bottom edge of the jawline. So you're basically just physically changing what that shape is in the way that it's drawn on. And it looks weird as hell if people take a photo of you from the wrong angle. But hey, (laughs) looks great on film and when you're modeling. I'd usually do my makeup much more extreme for photo shoots than I do for walking around cons in person. It's sort of like, I don't know if you've ever been to like an opera or a ballet and gone to um, see the dancers or the performers Mm -hmm. at the door outside. But they always look so, like, lovely and wonderful, and then you go and you uh, meet them at the dressing room, and it's like, oh, that's some stuff that is on your face. It's like that for my cosplay photo shoots, too.
0: Yeah, Rachel and I actually both have a background in dance. Yeah. You're painting for the back row. Exactly. (laughs) Besides makeup, what are some key performance aspects of cosplaying male characters?
1: So I generally don't try to do too much in terms of my mannerisms, walking around at a con or what have you, partially because I'm just not willing to commit to a physical performance character for extended amounts of time and partially because I very rarely like committing to character outside of photo shoots anyway. Mm -hmm. There's a lot that you can do. I remember, (laughs) actually it was the first time I was ever cast in a play. I was playing Mark Antony and Julius Caesar which is weirdly enough of a role that I've done multiple times, it's just following me in my life like a curse, which I'm okay with. The actor who was directing our show, who's from a local theater, I remember her coming up to me and saying, your movements with your arms that you're doing in this speech, they're coming across as too girly, and the reason they're coming across as too girly is because you're doing all your gesturing bending at your elbows and at your knees. If you want to make your performance look more powerful and warlord-like for this role, do the majority of your movement at um, joints closer to your body. So basically mm-hmm. from shoulder joints, etc. Now I use that in cosplay constantly. Just that one little sentence years ago, unlocked just this galaxy brain world. Of, <laughs> oh, this is how you pose. I can do this. A panel I do really frequently at cons, which is masculine makeup for feminine cosplayers. And there's a modeling section that I do of that panel. And that's always one of the first things that I bring a bunch of people up from the audience to do. Because usually I have like about an even gender ratio of attendees at this Mm -hmm. panel. I just have a bunch of people come up. I just tell people to move around a bit and to make certain kinds of gestures. And you can look at the people who are cosplaying and doing them and see how that split is so clearly just in something people naturally intrinsically do and actually a weird side note addendum to that is that it is very much a gender thing it's not an anatomy or physiology thing mm. because like trans guys for the most part do the larger limb movements as well and mm. trans women tend to do the smaller ones so it's absolutely some mind gender thing it's not actually a oh men tend to often have parts so they gotta stand (laughs) legs wide. It's not anatomical.
2: That's very interesting. I was actually going to ask you about that, but thanks for answering the question already. (laughs) So on top of it,
0: are there any posing tips specifically for photos?
1: Can I talk about more of my fake jaw? If you can see me on video, there's like not a ton here, but one thing that you can do to sell a jawline in photos and this is the thing, like, we all want sharp anime jaws regardless of our sex or gender, let's be real here, and this works for everyone, is we have a tendency to want to point the tip of our chin in the direction of the camera. Even when we are looking away, we look away in an orientation where it's in, like, a same latitude line where wherever the camera lens is. And one thing you can do to sort of force yourself to jut your head out and hold your jawline at its most flattering angle is instead of leading with the point of your chin, lead with a place that's about a third of the way down hmm. between your chin and your ear and just move your head with considering that as being the front of your chin. That doesn't make a ton of sense visually, but if you just think that and do it, it will extend your posture and make it look very, very nice. It's just a thing. Some will basically trick your brain into reorienting where your body is in space for that little bit, and it just becomes automatically way easier.
2: As someone with a double chin, thank you for that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh. What made you first interested in cosplaying male characters?
1: Let's see, I'm trying to remember when I really sort of transitioned over to start doing that. Because, I mean, technically, the first cosplay I ever did was my freshman year homecoming costume day. Where first off, our homecoming theme was Super Smash Brothers, which is kind of cool in hindsight. But I made a Link cosplay that was largely out of pool table felt and staples. So I don't think that that counts as a first cosplay. (laughs) The first boy costume I ever did was uh, Shinji from Evangelion. And Mm. I just remember having, despite it being such a casual costume, because it was just his like white button up shirt, black pants. I had a really good time with it, and I just immediately really liked how I looked. And so that was sort of the first, oh, hey, this was simple. I just did it for a group, but it can work out. I would say that it's been about two years since I first started seriously preferring male costumes and kind of specializing in that. And honestly, the reason for that's kind of simple, and it's just that I realized it helped me feel a lot more comfortable. It sort of coincided with what I was thinking oh, I'm 18 now, so that means I can do some sexier costumes. Let me try doing that. So after I turned 18, I did uh, the Princess cray dress, which shows a decent amount of skin despite being a ballet dress, and uh, Race Queen Ray from Avon Yelling, which is a Race Queen cosplay. And despite really being proud of my craftsmanship on those costumes, I felt super, super uncomfortable in them. So I decided, mm-hmm. all right, um, let me swing to the other extreme and see how I feel. And that feeling of being attractive in a costume, of being able to flaunt something and express myself in a, hey, yeah, I look a good kind of way, was something that I very much felt when I was like wearing a nicely cut suit or enjoyed expressing mm-hmm. myself in that manner far more than when I was doing the more traditionally feminine things. And to this day, that's actually something I do a lot is I've found through trial and error basically that I'm really uncomfortable doing more sexy female costumes to the point where I will just modify those costumes to do male versions instead if I really want to do that character. But in terms of me feeling attractive, I sort of realized by accident of, oh, if I'm trying to project outward self-confidence in my appearance and attractiveness, I just feel better doing that as a guy. And there's complicated gender reasons for that, but that's one of those, "Eh, this is more my business.
0: And I will say that male costumes are 100% more comfortable than female costumes.
1: My gosh, yes. Also, the chances are that a male costume is going to have an easier to deal with, much more comfortable wig either. I'm not going to have to uh, bother with that Sailor Moon nonsense.
2: Your Sailor Moon costume is so good, though.
1: (laughs) I I love being Sailor Moon, but I can only stand to be in her for about an hour at a time. Even then, like, I had fun as Sailor Moon in this costume. I put hours and hours and hours of work into. But then I throw together this, like, closet cosplay tuxedo mask for the Momocon dance. And it's like, oh, yes, I am here and ready. (laughs) Sailor Moon who?
2: That's awesome, though.
0: I mean, there's just something about wearing a wig for more than 30 minutes that drains the life out of you. It really does. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You like to do a lot of tutorial things on your Instagram, which I appreciate, and I'm sure a lot of your fans also appreciate. They're wonderful. Yes. I really, really like the
1: one for frugal tips. Because cosplay can be expensive. That's actually something that um, usually, whenever I uh, show my cosplay work or my page to people who aren't involved in the hobby, or even like people who are new and have never seen it, they're just like, "Oh my god, how do you afford to do much, so much stuff?" And the answer is, I thrift a lot and I hoard things. <laughs> I think if you average it all out, I spend it's either slightly over or slightly under twenty dollars a cosplay. So the sort of number one recommendation I can give, and now this is something where if you're a cosplayer who you start and you're like, this is my dream project for the year, this is what I'm going to pursue, this won't be that useful to you because I do that kind of thing too. I do like two or three big projects a year. But because I like having new stuff to post on social media, I also have like doing lots of more casual things throughout the year that really sort of fills out the numbers on the easy and cheap stuff. And how I can manage to do that is don't plan your cosplays in advance. I don't mean that in the way that you think I mean that. What I mean is that I never intentionally put a cosplay on my schedule except from those one or two special concepts. What I sort of have is a constant running list in my head of character designs that I liked and characters that I like who have relatively normal-ish clothing. So basically when I'm going around and I am thrifting or I'm looking for cheap fabric and discounts and stuff. If I see something that catches my eye, that makes me go, oh, that's a cosplay piece that I could totally use for X person here. Then I'll nab it and be able to get that out. But I maybe have a list that's not a physical list, but just sort of an idea in my head of a hundred or so characters I could conceivably do very easily if I just found the right item and were able to modify it quickly with materials I already have. So that's sort of how I manage to churn out the amount of content I do, just sort of letting the chips fall where they may. <laughs> but um, a large part of that is sort of keeping a catalog of materials that you already have. Like I actually do keep an Excel spreadsheet that has all of my wigs listed and the relative styles that they're in, like wig tone and colors. And I keep also on that same spreadsheet list of all the fabric I have, all the paints I have, et cetera. So if I have an idea for a costume and I go, oh, I think I have materials to do that or there's this like five dollar jacket on eBay right now that would work. I can just quickly bring that spreadsheet up on my phone and go, oh, hey, I have literally all the materials I need to make this if I just order this one piece.
2: I actually had a question about your wigs because I was reading through your Instagram post where you talked about budgeting of your cosplays. And it's sad that you reuse the same wig for a lot of your cosplays. Do you wash and restyle every single time? Because
1: I know there yeah. are like wildly different styles for the same wig. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually um, a big part of the reason why I mentioned earlier that I like to adhere to sort of more realistic interpretations of wigs than necessarily like copying an anime hair for spike for spike. And one of the practical reasons for that is because I don't have to use foam spikes to get styling right or glues Mm -hmm. to get hairs held in place. Basically by just doing lots of strategic teasing, fluffing, bobby pins, et cetera, I can get the same wig to hold a bunch of different styles without having to do anything that will permanently alter the nature of that wig. Mm -hmm. So I can have all these wildly different styles and curling and all of this stuff and be able to just wash it out and restyle it later because I try to avoid doing anything too wild when I can't avoid it, or anything that couldn't be undone by cutting out some stitching or what have you. Even for coloring my wigs, actually, aside from a couple where it's unavoidable, there are ways that you can temporarily color a wig pretty effectively, not all over, but to do, for example, on my Cheryl Nome wig, long blonde wig that I just did highlights in the pink hair chalk, so I wouldn't mm-hmm. have to buy a separate one for her, and I was able to wash them out later, use that blonde wig for another thing, without making any irreparable changes to the thing itself. Cool.
2: I didn't know you could
1: use hair chalk on wigs. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And if you are too cheap for hair chalk and or have art supplies hoarded from when you were age five, like me, you can also crush up some cheap oil pastels and brush them through to get um, highlights and low lights in the same colors. That's actually something I've used to uh, reduce shine on wigs as well. Like my Ronca Lee wig was very shiny, so I just crushed up an old pastel, got one of those uh, stencil brushes in it, and basically just hairsprayed it and papped the little uh, chalk pigment all over the top of it. Instant matte wig. It won't be permanently matte, but it'll work for a con.
0: I've heard that you can wash a wig with cornstarch to try to make it less shiny, but I feel like that's a little complicated. You could not pay me enough to do that. Right? That sounds gross. Well, cornstarch is what makes nail polish matte as well.
1: Ah, I see. I'm sure that it works, but I am far too lazy to try it.
2: Kat, uh, you provide a really safe space and you encourage a safe space for women and queer folks on your Instagram. How can we create a safe space for women and queer people in our cosplay community?
1: Well, one of the factors that I think is most important to building a discussion space in any community is encouraging discussion and provoking. Not really provoking because that is a negative context, but provoking we will say, safe channels for talking about specific topics and things. That's why I like doing tutorials so much actually, because it's not about community education nearly as much as it is, hey, I want to talk about this topic. I would love to see other people talk about this topic. If I make a budgeting tutorial, the of people can take tips from that, but I also think it would just be like a healthy good thing for a lot of people who don't have a lot of money in this community to talk about and destigmatize budgeting stuff. Mm-hmm. It's more so I think that if you want to bring the focus from a cosplay or community or a cosplay account outwardly from just, oh, look at like the pretty people in costumes. A good way to do that is to just encourage not even necessarily like LGBT or feminist specific topics, but just topics for everyone to talk on equal footing and all contribute to discussions in general. There's always like when I post photos of just like a lot of pictures of, hey, look at me in this in a row. I start feeling kind of bad. I feel like I'm presenting myself as too much of an icon, not in the like, oh, iconic sense, but in the mm-hmm. sense of like the literal sense definition of that word, right. like more as an icon thing and less as a person who wants to meet people, converse, etc. cetera. So in order to facilitate a directional exchange with people in order to like have people and communication happening, I try to put information more out there. And the reason why that open discussion in education is important is because then when an issue does come up, that affects your community. Like um, a good example is you see a lot of like Eastern European cosplayers who don't realize that color facing is something that's really, really terrible Mm -hmm. and should be looked down on and stigmatized in a community who don't really have a good background information on that. And they feel when someone tells them, oh, that's something you shouldn't be doing, just incredibly defensive about it because maybe it wasn't intentional. And Mm -hmm. the point of opening up like educational discussion is when you encourage positive discussion in general, when issues come up that affect your community, you have people much more willing to listen to education on those important topics if they're used to education in general being viewed in a positive light. On the terms of, say, gender topics, um, that's something where I don't like discussing my personal life and gender topics all that much. But I think that it's something to normalize the discussion of in general. So I like Mm -hmm. making a lot of posts that talk about gender and about gender expression, just because if people see it being discussed in a calm, this is something that exists manner, it makes them more likely if they're unsure about something To be willing to post and take feedback from other people involved in that community who do want to post about their personal experiences themselves. Yeah, so basically, I guess the thesis statement there is I think that we create safe spaces by making a place to encourage safe discussions.
2: Yeah, and you definitely do that on your Instagram.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that because I try really hard. I love your, because I follow a couple
2: other cosplayers, but I love that you really take the time out to educate people just about cosplay basics and even about how to pose you're presenting a hot dog pose i was like wow i'd never thought of that before but that is like a really simple way to get started being a little bit more comfortable in front of the camera so i think it's really awesome that you do that you provide
1: that resource to cosplayers
2: yeah you are a
1: resource
2: in the best
0: possible
1: way that's really sweet of y'all and i'm blushing on my camera but you can't tell because my hair's pink I just feel like it is so important that everyone has the opportunity to both feel good in a cosplay and feel like they are doing something positive in the cosplay community. Everyone should be able to use cosplay as something that can help them feel confident and to build themselves up just because it has done so much for me in that way. And I see so many people like post stories all the time about all these bad experiences they have had in the community often due to like racial bias or awful things or bullying and stuff. And that just makes me feel so upset that someone's not been having this like, honestly, like really privileged, idealized experience that I have had in the hobby. So that's why doing like informational resources, things like that. That's why it becomes important in large part, I think. Because if I can do anything to help make someone's time in this community a little easier or make them feel like their cosplays or their photos can be made like a little better and that that can help build someone up, that's what I really want to do. There's not a ton of ways that I can help fix all of the problems and biases and stereotypes and awful stuff that people do. But like maybe if someone feels bad about the way their chin looks in a photo, I can help with that, you know? (laughs) these little things can add up.
2: No, they really do. I really think that they do, yes.
0: You are getting, I would say, a pretty big following on Instagram, and you're getting asked to be guests at conventions elsewhere. Where can
1: people find you next? Actually, in a couple of weeks, and by a couple, I mean two. Oh my god, I'm not prepared. I'm going to be at Seishun Con. I'm actually going to be judging the costume contest there, which is really exciting. I am so thrilled, especially because I've looked at some of the other people who are going to be there. And I'm extremely excited and intimidated to work with them. That'll be a blast, though. I love Station Con, I've been going for years. And then you'll see me back at TigerCon again in April, mm-hmm. which, again, excited to bring stuff for, have a lot of panel content planned that I've been souping up and rehearsing for, so that'll be fun. And there's nothing after that that I am allowed to talk about yet, I don't think. But there are things in the works. There are irons in the fire, etc.
0: And what is your Instagram <laughs> handle again for the people who didn't realize the first time?
1: Oh that is at Angelic Days Cosplay DAZE. Yeah. That's my name. It's not my name. My name is Cat, but if you yelled that to me at a con, I would answer to either one. <laughs> Sounds great.
0: Thank you Cat so much for talking with us
1: really good to see you and your pink hair again yeah yeah it's not going to be pink for long i'm washing this thing out as fast as i can it was an accident oh, no. <laughs> don't put bleach on top of toner kids Oh god. well best of luck on your <laughs> hair <the> journey <laughs> Yeah, that, that's the teaching moment of the podcast toner after bleach
0: <laughs> okay guys take that to heart thank you guys so so much you can find soulmates on facebook facebook.com slash podcast. You can
2: find us on Tumblr at soulmatespodcast.tumblr.com. You can find us on YouTube and Instagram at podcast, And you can send us an email at soulmatespodcast at
1: gmail.com.
0: Oh, yeah, we're also on iTunes, that thing that has podcasts.
1: Oh, Danielle, I also have a YouTube that I'm launching soon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> can they find you on YouTube at Angelic Days Cosplay? Yes, they can. Awesome. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. Kat. Uh, everyone have a fantastic day. Goodbye.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having my extreme wordiness allowed to let loose in this audio based medium. No one should ever be subjected to this.